Hello and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. We are back. Hey. I'm your host, Stephen Haunts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to talk about what the new face of business looks like in a very different looking world. Yeah. <laughs> very different looking world. Yeah, yeah. So how are you? It's been a while. Yeah, I'm good. I'd just like to emphasise that we are socially distanced. We are recording in the same room, but uh, yeah, so at the other ends we, of the room. When we talked about bringing the show back, we were we, we had a discussion. So, you know, should we do it, try and do it via Zoom? Yeah. Like we did for our previous episode. Yeah, or not, should we meet up and we thought meeting up works better? Yeah, it's much, it's much better to record in person. I know you can record and a lot of people do, but I, I much prefer to do it in person it's just it's just a better interaction i think yeah so our setup's fairly similar to what we had before except instead of sitting on the sofa we're both sitting on chairs opposite ends of a long table <laughs> yeah so we are quite socially distanced both on either side of the room yeah yeah so we're uh, hopefully hopefully safe windows open with a i was about to say a little bit of ventilation but it's incredibly hot day today yeah it's, it's warm isn't no it breeze. yeah for the uk it's it's particularly warm so if anyone caught the little five minute update i posted a few weeks ago um, we mentioned in that that we're we're changing things slightly. So obviously, coronavirus and being in lockdown and everything that, that entails, which we'll come on to in a bit, has kind of been difficult. Yeah, it's been a, uh, been so a challenge. Going forward, I mean, I've got a hell of a lot of stuff coming up at the end of the year, and obviously Kevin's got a lot of business stuff coming up as well. So we yeah. discussed how we want to, or do we want to change how we approach a podcast? So what we've come up with is that we're going to, instead of doing two episodes a month, we're going to knock it down to one episode a month for the moment. Yeah, I think, and also it's much easier for us to come up with better quality content rather than trying to, you know, it's, it's hard to say what you've done each week, you know, or even yeah. fortnightly, but once a month you can usually, you know, if you've usually read a few books, you've got something to talk about, something's happened in the business, there's usually more, more to dis- discuss. Yeah, well, I think the cadence we worked out before kind of worked okay, but it was quite a lot of work, but now we've, We've got to try, or we've got a lot of work to do, trying to catch up over the last few months. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So from now on, so from this episode on, we're going to strive for one episode a month. Yeah. But you'll get all of the, all of the stuff that you, uh, that you enjoy so far in the show. So how's, how's lockdown been for you, Kevin? Oh, yeah, it's been, been a challenge, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I, obviously, when lockdown happened, obviously I've been working from home with the children, which has been really, really hard to get anything productive done. I think mostly, I think probably like yourself, mostly gone into that maintenance yeah. mode where it's just a matter of sort of keeping, you know, supporting existing customers, but not really developing much, much new stuff. Um, it's only once I actually started go, going back into the office, probably about five weeks ago, that yeah. I actually started getting real you know, new stuff done, you know. Um, so working on like, a, for example, doing a, a new version of the steel beam calculator, um, we've launched a beta version of that, uh, okay. which we're testing at the moment, and we've sort of we've sent that out to our email list. But it, it's been really challenging. How, have you found it during lockdown? Have you found it a real lockdown, challenge? Lockdown, oh, it's been hard. Yeah, very, very hard. <laughs> I mean, um, so my son just before lockdown, he got a diagnosis for ADHD. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, which is sort of, so you know, he, he struggles to focus and concentrate on work and all of that stuff. So. As lockdown was introduced, we managed to get him on his prescription uh, for the drugs that he needs for that, um, yeah. which, which basically helps him focus on work. So actually, my son has actually been a lockdown success story. Is it? Because okay. he was really struggling at school, but he doesn't get much support at school. We have to get what's called an education health plan, Okay, yeah. Which, yeah. Lo- which unlocks funding to get an assistant in to help him at school. But that takes a long time to organise. He's been falling quite behind at school. So 
during lockdown, my wife's been focusing on working with Daniel one-to-one. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, one yeah. And yeah. the rate of improvement in my son, is just, it's accelerated. It's been really, it's been, yeah, he's it's, it's found that useful then. Yeah, so that, one of the things we're actually transition. worried about is sending him back to school. <laughs> really? Oh. Are you considering like homeschooling then in some form? Or we talked about it challenge? briefly, but it's, we're not very good teachers. Not yes. My business is training. You know, I do teaching for a living, but <laughs> it's, it's teaching adults. It's very different to teaching children. So whilst for him it's worked temporarily, we, we now need to get this educational health plan in place, which is what we're focusing on. Yeah. Uh, so it's been hard from that point of view. And then my daughter, I mean, she's 11. And, you know, as some girls do, as they get a little bit older, they start to get a bit hormonal and a bit aggressive. So trying to do homeschooling with her has been... Yeah, I've spoke to very, a few. Very, hard. Spoke to most of my friends who have children and they're working from home, uh, and it's been a real challenge. I think a lot of people are just really, really fed up of it. Um, I think people have enjoyed the working from home bit. A lot of people that, have, especially people who've had to commute, you know, yeah. and then I'm to commute to to work, so they're finding that much easier. But I think, I think at some point the novelty starts to wear off, doesn't it? You know, uh, not, and then being stuck at home with the kids. I mean, I've got like a, a toddler. Like a 20 month old and he's been a real challenge because obviously he doesn't appreciate you know that i'm working or when yeah. you're on the phone to a customer or trying to sort something out you know or and even the six-year-old you know that's a challenge you know because you don't understand you know what i'm doing you know so it's been really really tough actually i i do feel much better once once i got back to the office are you the same you know did you feel better once you obviously you're back in your office now but yeah i mean for the first six months six months <laughs> Yeah, felt like six months. For the first yeah. six weeks of lockdown in the UK, I didn't go to the office at all. So I was just completely at home because mm. uh, it was highly discouraged from using any form of public transport. Yeah, to trains yeah. and buses. I, I don't drive anyway, so I couldn't really drive to the office. Plus, we felt you know as the numbers are rising in the UK, we thought it's best just to stay put. Yeah, stay stay just at home. Yeah, observe the lockdown as best we can. But after about six weeks, when things were starting to I love to use the word stabilise because it's still pretty bad. But when, once we got over the peak and things were coming down a bit, mm. I started coming to the office on a Wednesday. I do, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Mainly because um, I was doing loads of preparation for courses, but I needed to record it properly. Oh, it's recording at home when you've got yeah. family in the house is it's just a no. It's just a no go. Yeah, it's not going to happen, is so it? So I was yeah. trying to batch up all of the slides and the scripts whilst I'm at home, and then I come in on a, every Wednesday and just do loads and loads of recording, and then edit it the rest of the week at home. Yeah. So that kind of worked out okay. Uh, obviously now in the UK, I mean, numbers are much lower than they were before, so things are kind of starting to unlock quite a lot in the UK. Yeah, yeah, we're sort of coming mostly out of lockdown now, but it's it's still it's still tough. I think people are worried about the second wave. That's the, the big worry, isn't it? You know, as we yeah, come out of lockdown. I, mean, I, I must admit, I do obsess over the government numbers that they publish every day, so I'm, <laughs> always, I'm always looking at their dashboard. And you've got a definite rise coming up at the moment. But the death rate is kind of dropping quite significantly still. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's to do with the weather or whether that's to do with the better treatments now or whether it's a combination of One of the theories of is that it's more younger people that are contracting it. So now pubs and stuff are starting to reopen. So people oh, in their so, like, yeah. you know, early 20s are going out and it's, but, very, uh, it's very difficult to socialise after you've had five pints of beer. <laughs> very, very difficult. Sorry, very difficult to... Socially distanced. Socially distanced. Yeah, it probably leaves your inhibitions a bit, don't you, and do things you perhaps shouldn't do. So there's a theory that actually they're starting to spread it around a bit, but younger people are more resilient to it, so obviously they're not being admitted into hospital. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so cases are going up, but not not, not deaths, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I, I, you know, I'm 
very very excited about the schools going back in September. Yeah, me too. I mean, our, our, our six year old did go back for for four weeks uh, before the the six week break, um, which was nice, and it'd be nice when. Um, also, the toddler went back to nursery for two days, or originally one day, now two days as well, which is nice. I think in September when, when the six-year-old goes back and the other one's at nursery two days a week, it's going to be a lot easier uh, for our yeah. family, I My think. My daughter was supposed to go back. She was in year six, so she was one of the year groups that was allowed back in July. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the time, it was all very confusing. So we was all geared for her to go back, and she was due to go back on the, on the following Monday. Yeah. And then we received a, a message from the school because the government advised the government guidance at the time was that we appreciate children can't maintain two metres in a school. Mm. So just try as best you can. <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they configured all of the classrooms around yeah. And they, all the kids who are due to go back kind of just fit. Mm. And then the local authority turned around and went, no, two metres. Oh, no, it's crazy. I think I, So the school just couldn't fit year six in, so yeah. they just said no to the entire year group. I've got I've got a feeling that the children are very low risk, and I think so. There's I think there's been a I think there might be one case where a teacher has caught COVID, but they don't know whether they caught it from yeah. you know school or elsewhere, you know. And I think hopefully they, they can all go back in September. It's all safe. Well, she's due to start a new school, so she goes to high school. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Which she's both excited and terrified about, as you can expect. Oh, going yeah, to a new yeah, school. for sure, yeah. The school she's going to, they've kind of put a plan in place. So instead of you having to move around different buildings for all of your lessons, they're now saying that each year group has their own building. Okay, yeah, so, so they, they don't mingle, yeah. So they've been spending the summer holidays reconfiguring everything. So, I mean, some of the lessons will be a bit weird. So you might be doing science in a non-science room, for example. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, which might make the lessons a bit weird, but they're trying to isolate each year group into their own building. Mm. And then all breaks, lunch breaks, everything like that will be staggered. So they're trying to stop the school from mixing as best they can. Yeah. How it works in practice, we'll see. I have no idea, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad things are starting to gradually return to normal. Although for the moment, there's obviously no, no foreign travel, no conferences. Oh, is that, yeah. So that's probably a big impact on the, your sort of normal routine then, isn't it? It's a routine, not, not to finances. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I did a few workshops a year for different conference companies, but they weren't, like, massive payouts. I did it more just because yeah, it's fun to do it. So. Yeah, something cool to do. So how's things been going for you business-wise? Yeah, so? not too bad, actually. I mean, we had a... Um, because our main metric is what we call monthly recurring revenue, and we had a, a, a small dip in sort of April... Uh, no, sorry, in March, sorry, and then it sort of gradually recovered through April, and then it sort of... Not more return... Obviously, it might have been higher... If we hadn't had COVID at all, you know, but it is sort of growing again now, which is good. I mean, what I'm more worried about is the recession to come, you know, yeah. in the future, because I think there's been some news today, hasn't there, but where it's said that the UK economy has dropped like 20% or something ridiculous yeah, like that, so, which so is a what's, crazy what's the number. Date? So we're on the Wednesday, the 12th yeah. of um, August. Yeah, so, they literally said today that I think it's 22% the UK economy. Which dropped, is like, which that's is, unheard of, isn't it, you know, in terms of GDP you know, drop. So I think there's going to be some kind of very severe recession for i don't know for how long you know possibly a number of years so i'm, I'm worried about that going forward but i mean at the moment we're doing just fine you know we're because we had a lot of growth towards the end of last year so we're sort of still on that growth you know mm -hmm. so it's not like we've lost out you know and i'm hoping funny. also that i hoping that because people are staying at home i think this is going to be the trend people working from home they're having more building work done at home and that kind of helps us with the stuff that we do, you know. So and That's a good point, actually. I mean, because we, we redecorated three rooms. Overnight. Yeah, a lot of people are doing, like, or thinking about having extensions or having yeah. offices at home or, or sort of doing stuff to the house to make it suitable to work from and that kind of thing. So, so it is a way that you'd position yourself is that it's 
more cost effective to use a software tool like yours and it is to hire expensive consultants to do it for yeah you. potentially yeah for some of the stuff that we do yeah so we're hoping that that people that, that's how we've always positioned ourselves really is that we're we're a lower cost uh, than, than a consultant but um but also a lot of consultants use our software as well so it's a bit of a mixture really um but we're hoping just generally the trend for more building work is going to be beneficial for the stuff that we do you know we want it to get more subscribers etc um, but no, it's, it's been nice. It's nice. I felt like because I've been back at the co-working space, which is Cubo at Derby, which is which is really nice. But uh, since I've been back there, I felt like I've done more work. Um, so we launched a new beta version of the the steel beam calculator we mentioned. We've been working on a new padstone calculator, and also we're doing a, a steel. Yeah, I saw, I saw you put that in the notes. What, what's a padstone for us? For us non, for us oh, it's uh, where a steel beam sits on a wall. Normally, there's like a concentrated load where the beam sits on the wall, so sometimes it can crack the wall. So in order to protect the wall, you put like a normally it's like a concrete padstone, like a lump of concrete that just spreads the load from where the beam sits oh, right, on the okay. wall. Um, so obviously, you have to do calculations for that to make sure that the stresses underneath the, the padstone don't mm. exceed the the sort of capacity of the wall. Um, so we're doing that, and also we're looking at steel posts. So where you've got like a a post that's supporting a beam. Um, we're doing any good calculations for steel posts. Um, like that one in this office. <laughs> I think that's a timber post, actually. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, the, the, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, so like a post um, that supports a, a beam. Um, and also, I've been thinking about perhaps not at the moment, but at some point in the future. Obviously, I know it's probably not now the time to be doing this, but looking at growing the team, how that could work. We're okay. thinking about that. I mean, it's kind of awkward because we just don't know what's going to happen with the economy. So I'm not. I don't want to be like. You know, hiring somebody and then having to lay them off because I mean, the hiring, economy. hiring a full-time employee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or possibly contractor or any. It's looking at different combinations. Either yeah. either contractor or. I think one of the best employee. best things I ever did was not actually hiring anyone and just using freelancers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think I, I just I, I find it horrific the idea that you'd have to you know put someone on furlough and then. So. I'm not sure if a furlough is something outside the UK or not. So the furlough scheme is something that the government put in place. Yeah, they, so they cover 80% of your salary whilst you're on lockdown if you, if you can't work. Yeah, the, or yeah. if the company can't afford to pay you. So that's been really that's been really good for like helping to keep people paid and employed. Yeah, during um, it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when that scheme ends, that that's the what's yeah. companies are starting to make people redundant. So yeah. for me, I mean, the, the thought of having to hire someone, uh, one maybe two people, like an assistant or something, and then having to make them redundant. That's just saying. I just wouldn't yeah, it is. It is tricky. Perhaps, perhaps initially we would look look at like freelancers or contractors or something along that line, and then eventually we might look at. I mean, it just depends on. We'd have to look at it at the time. Um, I'm a bit. I'm a bit uh, at the moment where I don't want to spend or make unnecessary purchases. You know, because we just don't know what's going to happen. You know. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'm doing personally is we've we're, we're sitting in like a, a retro games room. You know, okay. we've got like a downstairs room that we don't really use. Um, so I've got like a, a Mega Drive. I've got I've got the emulator, you know, like the At Games. Have you seen that? Is that one that you've got here? You've got an At Games sort of Mega Drive machine, haven't you? Yeah, the little like, plug You play like Sonic yeah. and stuff. So I've got that, and then I've got like an old Mega Drive Two as well, which still okay. works. I managed to get it to work. It's kind of a, it doesn't always work all the time though. So I assume it's like degrading gradually. Yeah. Um, we've got like a, a, a an old PlayStation Two, and uh, a, a Wii, like an old Wii. You know, oh, the yeah. Nintendo Wii. So you can do like bowling and archery and all They're this kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. They're great for kids, I think. Yeah. Like the six-year-old likes playing on it. You know, sort of games that you can play. My wife used to do the uh, Wii Fit. Oh yeah, we've got so we've got, got that. Oh, yeah, it's got the board, yeah, I've got yeah. the balance board. I've not really used it yet, but we have it. Yeah, we just bought it secondhand. There's like a retro mm. game shop in in Hina. Okay. 
So uh, we bought a few bits from there, but it's, it's, yeah, it's really, really quite cool. Um, the other thing I'm doing is one of the positives of COVID, perhaps the only positive, in my opinion, is the eat out to help out scheme that the government have launched. Where you oh, get, yeah, we've used that. Yeah, we get like basically 50, 50% off up to a maximum of £10. Per person, yeah. Yeah, when you eat out. So I've been sort of most days like going out for lunch and stuff, trying to take advantage of that offer. Yeah, it's a way of trying to get people spending back in restaurants to help out. Yeah, so yeah, because obviously, because they obviously restaurants and cafes and such like took a real hit. So it's, yeah, it's it's been nice. I know it's only running for I think Monday to Wednesday throughout August, August but it's yeah. it has been quite nice to to use that as well. Have you been out much, have you? Or? Yeah, well, we've just come back from holiday. So we, we were supposed to go to Menorca, but that got cancelled. That, that was an interesting story because we, we were playing like a, have to play the poker face. My wife's really good at this sort of thing. So, <laughs> so if, if we would have cancelled the holiday, we, we get no refunds. So my wife, so we had it booked, but we didn't really want to go because it's a bit too soon yeah, we yeah. that we were comfortable to go abroad. But my wife was looking at the, ho- the um, not the hotel, see the airport that we were supposed to fly from. She noticed that the company, TUI, that we were flying with, had no flights going from that airport. Oh, they obviously weren't year. planning on running it, yeah. But they had similar flights going from Birmingham, but not on the days that we'd picked. So my wife was like, I'm going to hold my nerve, because they're going to get in touch at some point, and they'll probably say, either you can switch to this flight, or we'll refund you. And they did that. Well, they, they didn't, didn't, didn't actually offer us an alternative. They just said, we're cancelling your holiday. Oh, we, we're we're really sorry. And we're like, oh, yes, we get a refund. Yeah, we had a similar sort of story. I mean, we had, um, we'd, we'd paid the deposit, but we hadn't paid the full holiday. We were going to go to it's, uh, Lido Gieslo. It's um, in Italy, northern Italy. Okay. Which is not probably <laughs> supposed to go. Well, it's probably okay now. But, but I mean, yeah. we were at the time, you know, after we booked it, and then it all kicked off in northern Italy. But obviously, it's, it's bad everywhere now. Yeah. <laughs> but it was quite scary at the time. And... Uh, yeah, we're going to go. It's just, it's sort of like on the, they call it like the Venetian Riviera. It's just down the coast from, from Venice. Okay. So it, it's lovely, but we were going to go, but we, we'd only paid the deposit. We hadn't paid that much. So we yeah. just cancelled the holiday. I mean, um, we, we did it via their app, to... I think. You could go on, on their app okay. and just cancel it on the app. But we didn't, we didn't like, we could have paid the full amount and then probably got a refund anyway, but we just decided it was safer just to, yeah. just to, because we know what's going to happen with the holiday companies when they go, they go bankrupt or whatever, you know. Oh, so. a, lot, a lot of them are now, aren't they? So we, we just thought I would just cut our losses, you know, we didn't. Yeah, so we ended up lot. going to North Wales, a place called Port, Port Maddock. Okay, yeah. In North Wales. We went there for four days last week and then on the way back, we sort of came back via Chester and spent a few days in an Airbnb So that was your, that was your, this new word, staycation. Staycation, <laughs> staycation. yeah. Staycation. The one. Yeah, we're going to, I just want to say we're going to Norwich this weekend um, for like, I'm going to go around the North, 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 Norfolk Shire. North, I'd say Norfolkshire, Norfolk, <laughs> Norfolk coastline, and, and okay, sort of do nice. do a bit around there and go around the Norfolk Broads and all that kind of stuff. So that should be nice. Also go around Norwich as well. So so. I hope this nice weather stays in. Yeah, I think it's going to rain over the weekend, or that's what's predicted. Yeah, we was we were supposed to have a thunderstorm yesterday, but it never came. I was quite disappointed. Now I went for it's hard. Obviously, I went for a bike ride last night. Um, it's about half tenish, and I looked across and I could see all these like lights, like flashing lights. Hmm. And I thought, oh, it was perhaps as a distant thunder because I couldn't hear any thunder or anything. And I got over and mentioned to my wife, and said there had been like a meteorite storm or something like that. And that's what all these lights were. Oh, okay. Last night. Cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw these, you see all these flashing lights in the sky. And I thought, you know, I thought I assumed it was like a way off, like thunder, you know, mm. lightning storm. But no, it wasn't. It was a meteorite storm. So, what have you been up to then, Steve? How have you coped with, with lockdown? Has it been. Yeah, well, it was, it was really hard, so I kind of had to pause a few things. So obviously we, we had to pause the podcast for a bit 
Oh, we yeah. managed one episode, didn't we? I think it was it was it was difficult. I really struggled with that doing it from home with the kids. Yeah, you were having was... lots of internet issues, weren't you? Oh yeah, the internet's terrible. The 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 where we are, the the mobile signal's not great yeah. for the phone, and it's just it was it was a real challenge with the kids and the internet and everything. Yeah. You so know. obviously, so so we paused that. The book I was working on, Path to Freedom, um, I had to pause that. I just did not have the mental bandwidth to sit down and write. A, a complex yeah. book. Was it, was it just the disruption on your sort of flow? Said, yeah, I mean, so stress and anxiety levels of trying to teach the kids and all the shouting and arguing from the kids that came with that. Well, my daughter mainly. My, my son's been pretty good. Um, so I just didn't have the mental headspace to work on it. Yeah. Um, I've restarted it. I'll come on to that in a bit. Um, but literally the week before um, lockdown was announced in the UK, I signed a new contract with Pluralsight for a course. Oh, cool, yeah, yeah. So I was just like, well, that's a contracted piece of work. Pluralsight's my main thing. I'm just going yeah, to push everything else yeah, aside and just yeah. focus on that one thing. So I did that, um, which was good. It was, gave me something to focus on. Yeah, you, you had a deadline is, that you had to hit. And I had, it, had a yeah. deadline, yeah. I mean, I, I actually delivered it 20 days early. Oh, cool, yeah, yeah. Just because I was kind of focused on it. And, you know, that came out pretty good. I was really pleased with it. Um, I've done Since then, I've done two little mini courses for Skillshare. So I did one on creative writing and I did one really kind of weird course, which I just kind of wrote randomly one weekend when my wife was visiting her mum, which was about um, how to migrate from Windows to Mac OS. Which okay. is a weird thing that I thought of and I just actually recorded it all off the so I think I might need that at some point. <laughs> so that went really well. So I put those out and they kind of helped keep me, uh, keep the brain going a bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing another course for Skillshare um, on public speaking. Oh, cool, yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, that's turning out really good. I'm quite excited about that course. So that's, it's based on a book I wrote quite a few years ago, but I'm kind of expanding it a bit and turning it into a course. Uh, the book, I've restarted on it because I kind of, I wasn't sure when I was going to continue with it, but I sort of had a little bit of an epiphany when I was chatting to a friend of mine who runs a business and he was like, writing a book like that is actually now is a really good time to be putting something like that out. Because if we are going into recession where people might you know, get made redundant and then think about what are their next steps. Oh, they'd be, yeah. Th this book it. is kind of aimed at people who like the idea of starting a business, but they're a bit scared to do it. So it's yeah, for people no, who are more reluctant. Yeah, I think, yeah, it might, it might force them into looking, you know, if, if they've got downtime, if they've been made redundant or if they've been furloughed yeah, or so whatever, I've you know. done quite a bit of work on it recently. I've, I've rehired the editor that I was working with. So I've sent six chapters to her. So okay. she, she's doing her weaving her magic on those as we speak and I've got two chapters at kind of crappy first draft stage so I'm just fleshing those out and getting those ready and then there's four fairly large chapters left which I've started working on around marketing and branding oh cool so I'm hoping to have those done by probably middle of September so hopefully my editor will be done with those by middle to end of October then I've just got to write the front matter material, like the introductions and all that sort of stuff, and then get it all formatted. So I'm hoping to have it out by the end of the year. Yeah, I think I think like online training or like any training that you can do remotely is is gonna doing pretty well at the moment. I see you doing well with plural sites and yeah, plural sites doing pretty well. So I was, I was a little nervous at one point because they did a a promotion. Well, the promotion was really good for consumers. Um, obviously, people were being at home. I see where they offered like a free. Was it a month? Was yeah, it's it? called Free April. So they basically unlocked the entire platform for a month. Yeah, um, for anyone to sign up and use it for free, so it's just like using YouTube, in mm. effect, uh, which is great for consumers. Obviously, for us authors, it was slightly worrying because 
if people sign up on this promotion and watch your course, you don't get any share of that because there's no income coming in. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So you still got paid from existing subscribers, but not from the new people. So the numbers, because we have like an analytics dashboard that we can log into each day and see what's going on. So the numbers are so unbelievably skewed, it was just impossible to predict what was going on. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, the viewing numbers kind of went like that. It was, it was like, a, yeah, it was like, so it was, it was like Mount like, Everest. It's some kind of like freemium model. I take it they, they shut down the, the free. Yeah, so that only run for a month. Um, so, I mean, April wasn't a disastrous revenue wise. It was probably about 25% down from what I'd expect. Uh, okay, yeah. So still, you know, good level coming in. But it was, it was very hard to predict what was going on just because the numbers were so skewed by this free promotion. Mm. But then since I've done that, I mean, Pluralsight sales team have done absolutely fantastic job of getting people on the free promotion to actually convert into paid customers Papers, yeah. by offering them special offers. So, so that's overall, helped, yeah. since then, the viewing numbers have been up quite a lot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've done a few Udemy courses and bits and bobs during the down mm. during the lockdown, you know, and it was quite nice to do. I've read a few books and bits and bobs, so I think people will be looking to do stuff, won't they? Yeah, so I've just signed a new contract with Pluralsight. So I've got one course that I did years ago on cryptography using the Microsoft.net platform. Yeah. It's a good course. It's still a very popular course, but it's a bit old, a bit long in the tooth. It's using all the old Pluralsight branding. Which is okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll talk about stuff that's now been deprecated by Microsoft. So it's it's in need of a good update. But instead of just doing a straight replacement, I've commissioned a brand new course so I can add some new bits into it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I signed that last week, so I've just started working on that. So that should be done probably by the end of September, which is yeah. good. Another thing I've done, which is a bit weird, um, before we move on to the next bit. So, you know, I've tried pretty much every single to-do list and daily productivity thing going. So I started moving over to that thing called bullet journaling. Okay. So I started moving back over to handwritten notes. And bullet journaling is just a way of kind of organising to-do lists and organising all your notes. But as I was doing that, I've been doing that since January. But I started using a kind of a particular format each day to log all of my notes. Yeah. So I thought, wouldn't it be really cool to actually have a proper book, a, pro a proper journal book with the formatting that I use? So ideally, I'd like to have something properly manufactured that looks like a moleskin book. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. kind of what I want to do. Yeah. But, but that's expensive because you need to pay for manufacturing and build up inventory. So you need to order in thousands. Yeah, so yeah. I don't want to do that just yet. So I thought, well, what's a way that I can MVP this product? Because actually, I want one of these books for myself just so that I can use it. Use it, yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, I use Amazon's uh, Kindle Direct Publishing platform to produce paperbacks already. Why don't I build the book, publish it on that? Then, you know, I don't have to have any inventory. It's a really low-risk way of putting the book yeah. out there. Plus, I can order it at cost price anyway, so it means I get the book that I want to fill in, which is what this is here. Oh, wow, okay. So it's called the Daily Positivity Planner. And it's basically, a, it follows the bullet journaling style. Um, a little introduction at the beginning. It's like an index, so all the pages are numbered in the notebooks. You can have like an index of different sections of the book. Okay, yeah. yeah. Then you've got something called Future Notes and the Future Journal, Quarterly Themes and Goals. So each book is designed to last for a quarter. So okay, there's yeah. enough pages in here for a quarter plus a bit extra. And you've got, you know, spare notes, but then you've got like the daily journal area and it's split into a sec it's split into a format where you have you put the dates. Got a daily affirmation, which is where you, you physically write something nice about yourself about the day, like I'm gonna really succeed at doing this today. Or I'm okay, feeling really yeah. positive about today because of blah, or I'm really thankful to my family. Okay. And there's a lot of scientific yeah. evidence about if you actually write down positive affirmation and read it out to yourself it kind of helps set you up for the day okay yeah 
So that's what that section is. And there's a, a section for your daily goal. So what's the one thing that I can com complete today, which will make today a success? Then you've got like the, the task list area where you just list down all your tasks. So if you do bullet journaling, you can do what's called rapid logging. So yeah. You do that in this section. Then you have a retrospective at the end of the day where you actually write how the day's gone. That's a good idea, isn't it? So there's, you know, quite a few pages for that to last a quarter. And then there's just a load of blank lined note pages at the back and a quarterly retrospective that you can write. Yeah. So I've been using this for, this, this, this is the second version, this is the second book that I'm on. That's a good idea, isn't it? I'll yeah. put a link in the show notes. It is available, but I've not advertised it or promoted it yet. Yeah. So I'm nice. testing it myself. My wife's now using it. Yeah, I'll have to have a look at that. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, I, I tend to use a like a moleskin yeah. notepad, you know, for just writing down. You know, it's nice to have. It seems strange, even though I use you know the the computers. It's nice to have like a physical thing to actually write notes in, isn't it? I know you can have like a stylus or something and touch screen and stuff, but it doesn't quite feel the same, does I've it? I've gone completely analog, handwritten notes now, just because you've got no distractions when you're doing it. So I can spend a bit of time in the morning, normally in bed when I'm having a cup of coffee. Just going through what I'm going to do for the day and actually writing it down in the journal. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, I like. So I've done it this way. So I mean, ideally, I'd like it to be a kind of a bound, faux leather style book, like a moleskin. Like, yeah, I've like an A5 size yeah. one. But I don't want to manufacture those, and without knowing whether there's any demand for it. So by publishing it on Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing, it's listed on Amazon as a paperback book, so people can buy it, use it, and if people like it, and it, there's, it's it's worth actually producing. Proper version. It's a good, yeah. Just that looks good. It's like a, it's like a what do you call it? Like a paperback, isn't it? But it's still good, though, isn't it? Yes, it's a full perfect bound paperback. It's eighty GSM paper, so you don't get any bleed through from the pen. Yeah, it does look pretty good actually. So yeah, this is the one I've been using since July. It's got, got all my daily notes in it. When I do the retrospective, if it's been a good day, I write it in green. If it's been an average day, I write it in orange. I think you need to write. Is there like an explainer at the front how to use the? There is. The, yeah. You, you do say, oh, this is yeah the. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I mean, you don't need to use bullet journaling to use it, but if you do like bullet the bullet journaling style, yeah, I've obviously got a key of all the symbols in here and a bit of an explanation about how to use it. That's yeah. So it's kind of a little epiphany I had. It's like, well, actually, I want one of these books for myself, so even if no one else wants to use it. That's always best, I think. Th this isn't is kind it? of yeah. working for me at the moment, <laughs> so I can just go on and order them really cheap for myself. That's sometimes that works well. I remember when I when I built the when we built the steel beam calculator, I thought I've no doubt to use it. I can at least use it on my own projects. You yeah. Know? Scratch your own itch a little bit, isn't it? Sometimes they're the best, the best ideas, aren't they? Well, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's called the Daily Positivity Planet. It's all about being positive and doing these positive affirmations. And there's loads of example affirmations in there. I mean, nobody has to read it. They sometimes feel a bit sucky writing those things, but nobody has to read it or see them. It's, yeah. just, it's just purely for your own use. I like it. Cool. That's quite a good catch-up. It's been ages since we've had a good catch-up. I catch know, up. yeah. It's been, it's been a, a few months now, hasn't it? Okay, so some audience questions. So first one is from Tim. So have either of you had to react to a business downturn due to the virus? Um, any very, any very small. You know, we did have a, a slight downturn in March. Um, it wasn't that bad. I mean, what, what we did is I, I, we have like chat widgets, but I don't normally man them. But you know, like uh, we have like Zendesk chat or something like that on our on our site. Um, so what I did, I sort of tried to engage with customers when they visit our websites, various different websites, and try and get people, you know, try and drum up sales and stuff. I wouldn't normally bother because it's quite soul destroying because most mm. of the, the people that come through to you on the chat widget are sort of like not time wasters, but they're not necessarily sure whether they need your product or not, and quite often they don't, you know. So it does seem a bit, it's like doing sales, it's kind of hard work, isn't it? Yeah. Where, you know, if you get rejected 
quite a lot of times it becomes a bit it's almost quite negative you know so yeah. i don't necessarily enjoy it but it's something I, I was trying and it was just going based on maintenance mode and trying to look after our existing customers and keep things going but it wasn't that bad really but i, I take it you really haven't had a downturn have you other than was it the the, the free well, i mean the, the free april thing was a bit touch and go because because we couldn't really track what was going on as well but i mean overall i've seen a little bit of growth in revenue um because plural site stuff's gone up because i see people are doing more online training all of my classroom bookings that i had for the year they were yeah. just completely scrapped so that was about you know 25 grand's worth of bookings that were just evaporated and disappeared oh okay yeah yeah um, so that kind of the, that side of the business basically doesn't exist at the minute and i'm quite happy about a decision i made last year because i was going to focus more on the classroom stuff because plural site was doing well i was going to put that kind of not on the back burner but i was going to just let that bubble along as it was and then focus on building up the classroom training part okay yeah, yeah. Um, but in the end i decided against it just because of the, the amount of travel commitments yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, my... that's say like in person, anything in person is going to be really, really difficult, isn't it? Going forward for the yeah. foreseeable future, you know, I mean, it doesn't I, really I, affect I, what I do, but I mean, that's I've, what you do. Yeah, you know, I did a big replanning exercise a few weeks ago, and I've basically written off 2021 for any kind of in person events. Yeah. So, I mean, if they come back, fantastic, and it's I mean, safe, but I'm, I'm not expecting it to. Yeah, the other thing is, is we had a discussion with, with Nick, and we said we weren't going to do any kind of expensive anything that was really, really expensive. We don't take the risk on any expensive purchases yeah. or anything like that. So we're being perhaps careful about what we purchase, you know, because we just don't want, don't want what's going to happen in the future. But other than that, it's not really affected us too badly, really. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just doubling down on plural site stuff. But what I am doing is um, repivoting the, uh, the kind of the in-person training bit. And I'm kind of in the process of building a website so that I can actually get people to do bookings for... Um, online workshops. Okay. Yeah. So it's still like, you know, instructor led where people dial in. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Yeah. So I'm going to probably launch that with my cryptography workshop. I've got a one day version of it, which I've done a few times before. So I'll probably start with that. Yeah. And then I'll advertise um, three different versions based on different time zones. So one in more of a European friendly time zone, one in the US friendly time zone, and then one maybe in a kind of Australian, Asia Pacific time zone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to see what bookings I can get around that. Yeah. But think of that, I mean, I've got loads of stuff that I've done before as online courses that I can turn into workshops that are either one day or half day workshops. I think yeah. two day workshops a bit, is a bit too much for an online person. Yes, yeah. I, I, the thing which me with like doing online courses is that it's getting people to have the same sort of level of engagement, isn't it? That's going to be... That's the issue. I mean, um, I know, a few, people, it, I know a few people that have done it and they're having some reasonable success with it. So I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work out, I, I haven't really got to invest much into it. Yeah. So I'm going to give that a try. Sounds like a plan. We've got another question, have we? Um, we have. So from Steve, not me. <laughs> another Steve. <laughs> uh, so you've both often talked about how being a company of one or a few people gives you a lot of flexibility. Did that flexibility help out during the lockdown? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, um, because we're fully remote, well, we, I, do, I do work with two other people, but because we're a fully remote team, it didn't really affect us. We could all work from home. We could all keep going, you know, so... Um, it didn't really, I mean, if we'd had a, like an office where we all went to, I think that would have had more of an impact mm. on what we did. I seem that, you know, it's, you found it much easier being on your own or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, homeschooling and having kids at home is really, really difficult. So I feel so fortunate that I do what I do because, you know, I've got some projects and I had to make the hard decision to pause them, but I can do that. I don't have to answer to anyone. That's my decision to make. Yeah, yeah. So that level of flexibility was really good. So my workload 
kind of went down a lot. I mean, I still got stuff done. I, you know, I produced a prototype course and built some yeah. Skillshare stuff, but I did it at a much, much slower pace than what I typically yeah, would yeah, do. Yeah, actually, I found that is much easier. I mean, I, but I, that, was, that was fine. That was my decision to do, and I could, I could quite easily do that. Whereas I know some friends who have got, you know, they, they work, you know, a traditional nine-to-five job. And even though they're working from home, their bosses are kind of still expecting them to be just as productive, if not more productive, working from home. Yeah. Yeah, they've still got all the same challenges. They've got to try and fit homeschooling in. Yeah, with children, yeah. So yeah. I feel really sorry for those people. I've also heard of a few people that have um, been made redundant through the lockdown as well. And that's one advantage of having your own company. There's nobody to make you redundant, is there, you know? Yeah. So I've been lucky in that respect, you know. I wouldn't like to... Have, I'm sure there's probably some jobs people have been affected you know but for me obviously with running an online business you know that's been more resilient but i will say the the whole ethos of the company of one and you haven't read the book i highly recommend reading it i have read yeah i have read it yeah is that the paul uh, jarvis is that something yeah well i I know you've read it because we did an episode yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) saying to the viewer if if you've not read it i really do recommend reading it because it kind of helps justify why being really really small and not focusing on big growth is it's the not way to always, go. yeah. It's especially in in these times, yeah. I wouldn't like to think that. Also, if you're growing quickly, it's it's often quite expensive, isn't it, and risky and stuff. So I think just being on your own is less of a risk, isn't it? Yeah. Because I'm quite fortunate with the plural site stuff because it's passive income. Because you know, this year I've I've not released that many new courses. Well, actually, I've done one new course, but I've done quite a lot of updating of old material. Okay. So before lockdown struck, I, re- I updated quite a few old courses, and I'm redoing this crypto course. So by keeping the content I've got there, I've got 23 courses there. So by keeping that content fresh and updated, you know, they, they kind of all perform pretty well and it's recurring income. So if necessary, I could have quite easily taken two or three months off completely, but still had the income coming in. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, I, mean, we're I didn't want to do it, it drive me stir crazy if I didn't oh, have yeah, to focus yeah. on it. Mean, I have struggled working from home. I've not enjoyed it mentally. I think it's been a challenge, you know, being isolated and being all like cabin fever or, or, or the whole family at home. I've not personally enjoyed that, but other than that, it's not been too bad. Let's go on to the, the show topic or show discussion, because it's not really a topic, it's more of a, a discussion. So it's kind of around the idea of what do we think the future of work looks like, yeah. knowing, knowing what we know now. Yeah, it's easy to say with hindsight, isn't it? Um, I, was gonna, I mean, could work, you... Have... Work is going to be very different. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, do you think anybody could have foreseen what was going to happen with, with COVID? You know, do you think you could have... Last year, would you have know. predicted this? When, when, you, when you look back at it, we should have seen this coming, really. Both as a, as a, as a government and... Yeah, well, no, I, not, I don't want to turn it into politics, but, but as a government, really, they should have been a bit quicker in acting. And, and they should have been prepared. Looking yeah. at other countries, I mean, obviously, what happened in China, it, it escalated very quickly over there when, when the virus started taking hold there. And then it spread to, was it Italy, was the, the, the first epicenter? Yeah, it, yeah. So they, they locked down reasonably quickly. So I think from that point on, it should have been, the writing should have been on the wall. So this is, this yeah, is going to get serious have. really quickly. It is easy to say with hindsight, but yeah, really should have locked down much quicker. But um, I mean, from, from, a, from my perspective, you know, in terms of business, like I did have a discussion with Nick about various different sort of doomsday, or, you know, like what we call like black swan events, you know, yeah. these once in a lifetime kind of events that somewhere something could go wrong you know normally it's like a war or a recession or depression or something like that that's probably more what i would have expected you know yeah not necessarily panic but we did we did sort of look at various scenarios and we had quite a robust business so we kind of knew that it would take a lot for the business to fail you know like you know i think basically you know the whole economy would have to half you know 
permanently, you know, for us to, you know, yeah. to, to affect us in any way. So we, we were quite resilient, but it's hard, isn't it? It's easy to say with hindsight, isn't it? You know, that, yeah, we should have all been prepared for something like this. Yeah, I mean, in January, things felt different because I went to Norway. So I did two conferences in, in January, did one in Norway, then one in London the week after. And when we was in Norway at the airport, I mean, there was a lot more people wearing masks around. And there was obviously, there's the, the kind of the, the looming threat that you're just hearing constantly on the news. Yeah. And even then when traveling, I was like a bit self-conscious. I was like, you know, how close should I be getting to people? And I'm about to get on this like enclosed airplane that's packed <laughs> yeah. with a lot of people. And yeah, we've, we've got coffee. this virus thing that we're hearing about. Like, you know, how seriously should we be thinking about this? Um, but I mean, it was very hard. It's, I say with hindsight, you look back and you think, oh yeah, we should have seen this coming. But in reality, you never do. Yeah, really. this is. I mean, the last probably the last time something else, probably like nineteen nineteen with the uh, the flu epidemic. That, oh, the Spanish flu. Yeah, that yeah. was. Was it nineteen after the second world? After, sorry, after the first world war. Yes. So the last was, time we had it? like a major out, uh, epidemic like this, isn't it, of this kind? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, we're in recession now. I think that's going to be a global recession, obviously. Was it twenty two percent the economy's dropped in the UK? Yeah, that's, I'm not sure what the figures for the US or other companies are. I imagine they're going to be particularly bleak. Yeah, that's my worries. I think we're doing okay business wise at the moment, but I think it's that worry for the future. You know, what's what's it going to be like in autumn and winter and the following years? You know, how's that going to pan out? But but, but trying to put a positive spin on it. Not, well, that's quite hard to do. <laughs> do. Do you think a recession is actually a good time to start a business? Um, I don't, it depends. Yeah, the, the, the mindset I'm coming from is imagine you know, you've been made redundant from work, you've got a small payout as a redundancy yeah. package. It's hard to find jobs. So at that point, it's like, well, have I got anything to lose? I'm, I'm either going to be unemployed and do nothing. Do you know what? If you can, or, if or should, you, should I just try and if do you something? Do, obviously, I wouldn't do anything that's going to cost a whole lot of money. I wouldn't take any risks with, with, with capital or, or cash, you know. And, I don't see why not. You know, if you've got nothing to lose, have it a go. If you can try and de-risk it in terms of obviously, don't spend too much money at it. Don't spend more money than you can afford. You know, I don't see why not. You know, give but it a, a go. In a digital economy, I mean, we have the tools and the services to actually put things out. Yes, it's like so the thing with this diary, that the journal thing that I was doing. I mean, I've not outlaid any money on that apart from paying a designer. In, to in do some the ways, there's a probably never a better time to yeah. start. The, the 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 information that's out there now and the tools that we have. Yeah, I mean, I'll put, some, I'll put some links in the show notes because I did a bit of research on this. So, you know, have any big businesses actually been formed during the time of recession? I was actually quite surprised by the results. So there's some big, big names on here. So Airbnb. Um, so this is on businessleader.co.uk. Links are in the show notes. Yeah. They're saying here that, you know, that was formed during the 2007-2008 downturn. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of companies that have, that have done well. They've come out of yeah. recessions. The Walt, um, the Walt Disney Company, I didn't know this. So that was formed in 1929 during the Great Depression. So I never realised that that was a, a business that formed out of a recession. Um, Electronic Arts, who I used to work for many years ago. Okay, okay, yeah. So 1979 and 1980 energy crisis they were formed in. Uh, who else? We've got a FedEx. Uh, 1970 recession they were formed during general electric that's going back a few years yeah so a recession in the 1800s 1880s uh, groupon again forms during the 2007-2008 there's often opportunities isn't there coming out of recessions isn't there you know there's often the bigger players are they're sort of um 
they're going to be hit by the pandemic. So there's often opportunities, isn't there, coming out of recessions, I think. If you can, often they find that the, the companies that do well are the ones that market heavily during recessions. Mm. Because when things recover, they're on a flyer. Coming out of the recession, it's almost like, you know, coming out of the dip and then going into the, into the, into the growth. You know, if you can be ahead of the curve, if you can get in there early, yeah. you know. So sometimes there's opportunities, I think, during a recession. And, you know, it's difficult to predict like the contracting and freelancing market as well. But if companies are struggling to pay a full-time payroll, but you need work done, you need skilled workers to do stuff, then what is the next best thing that you can look at? Yes, it's what is con contracting yeah, and freelancers? Con yeah, so I, sure. I actually think there could be an opportunity here for people. I think there's there's always opportunities, isn't there? Even even though things are down, you know, it's only down twenty percent. There's still an eighty percent opportunity out there, isn't there? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's still there's still a lot of a lot of opportunity, you know. And also, there's probably markets that are actually growing. Like for example, like e-commerce is probably on a fly at the moment. So if you're doing anything around selling things online, um, you know, I think generally any type of business that doesn't require people to physically be in the same building. Yeah, I, I can imagine companies like Amazon doing just yeah. fine at the moment. You oh, know, they're doing insanely well. I mean, yeah. We've pretty much done everything through Amazon, which, yes. are, which is bad when you think about local businesses. But, but yeah, but when, but when businesses have been shut, yeah, often you don't have enough. I mean, we've we've signed up for Prime now, so um, and I imagine a lot of people have during the just to get the you know next day deliveries because we've just been ordering so much stuff now, you know, and we've ordered you know most of the things now coming through through not not all things, but obviously some things from independence. It depends what it is, but quite often it's it's from Amazon, you know, but. Yeah, I think there's still opportunities. Yeah, so if you're doing e-commerce or anything like online training or things that can be done remotely or digitally, hmm. um, I'm sure there's still, I bet there's lots of opportunities for, for web developers and such like, or app developers or whatever, because there's still, because there'd be so many companies wanting to go online, you know, like businesses that were traditionally brick and mortar want to go online to sell hmm. their products. And so there's going to be a lot, a lot of opportunities there, I think. Especially yeah. now, kind of sector in the tech sector, you know. Because I think one of the biggest areas that's going to suffer a downturn the most is just going to be physical retail. I mean, you look at, I mean, so in in the UK, there's a company called Into. Are they American as well? I'm not Into sure. Into American? I'm not I'm sure. Not but sure. The, the company that manages a lot of the big shopping centres or or malls. Or yeah, malls. 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 <laughs> for our American friends. So they're they're quite big over here. So they own uh, sites like um, the Trafford Centre. The Metro Centre in Gateshead, really big like shopping centres, yeah, and yeah. they've gone into administration now. Oh yeah. So there's a lot yeah. of talk about what's actually going to happen to those sites and all of the retail stores inside. Because they were predicting that if if all of that was to close, and then all of the shops inside those centres couldn't operate as well, and then you think about the extended um, supply oh, chain yeah. around them. Yeah, it's you're brutal. talking about potentially 150,000 people in the UK suddenly being unemployed. Mm, yeah. Now, whether good. that kind of scenario will play out or not, I don't know. But yeah, it's going to be quite brutal, I think. I mean, you, you, I think, uh, I, this is my prediction, I think about a third of shops will, will show up. third, that many? I, that's my, I mean, yeah. that's probably a load of rubbish, but that's just me walking well, no, around I the mean, streets and looking at so shops you, that haven't reopened. You, you go oh. on the news every day and you're hearing about, you know, this company's laying off 2,000 people, this company's laying off 7,000 oh, no, people. It's, it's, I think there's now the opportunity to people to go digital, I think. If you, if you can, I think, and also protects you in so many ways, doesn't it, now? And there's so many opportunities, I think, So do you reckon you've made any decisions in hindsight that made lockdown easier or harder? Oh, lo lots of decisions. In, in hindsight, I think I made all the right decisions, but it wasn't through planning. It was just it's just how it panned out. Like, for example, the fact we all work remotely, so with the option to work anywhere, but that wasn't intentional. That was more like a lifestyle thing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, obviously, having a, 
being being my own boss, having my own business was uh, you know a, a major. It made it a lot easier. Um, just just many of the things that we did, you know, just being in the sector that I'm in. Um, do, do you think any of the things you you decisions that you made helped? Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking obviously back then you couldn't predict, but I already mentioned about the fact that I was considering growing the the classroom training inside of the business, but I decided not to just because of travel demands. Looking back, that's probably one of the smartest decisions I think I've ever made. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Definitely. I was considering, because there were parts of the business I was going to scale up, I was considering hiring an assistant at one point. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I kind of talked myself out of it. Generally, after reading Company of One, actually, that kind of helped cement the idea you that maybe I should yeah. just stay me. You didn't feel that you had to be a big company then or had to employ people or had yeah, to grow. I mean, yeah, I think like. I made... Actually, I wouldn't say it's a mistake. I was about to say I think I made, was going to make the same mistake that a lot of people do, but it's not really a mistake. But I was, I, you know, I was going to focus on how can I grow the business, how can I do growth upon growth upon growth. Oh yeah, yeah. But actually, you know, I don't need to grow massively. And and they talked about this in Company One. You kind of have to think of a number that you want to aim for that's a sensible number revenue-wise. Yeah. Try and get to that point, but don't worry too much about going over it. Just try and get to that one point and stay there. Yeah, and yeah. don't focus on you know trying to then double that the next year. And yeah, I think running a, a small sustainable company, and also we we focus very much on being a profitable company rather than a, a growth company. So some yeah. companies obviously they prioritise growth over profitability, and uh, in in today's climate that could, that could have been very dangerous. I think the last company I worked for before going um, full time for myself yeah. was, was in that scenario. So it was VC funded. Yeah, yeah, it was growth. I mean, we went from. Five software developers, including myself, sitting in a room. And over six months, we had over 55 people. Yeah, that's a lot of And that cost, was only, that was only the first stage of growth. That was kind of the class as the, the first pillar to aim for. I know. That's, I think that's a very, because obviously you've got a massive um, overhead then, haven't you? And then that puts you in a very risky position. You've got, to, you, the growth has got to match the the expenditure and it's it's very very difficult i'm, I'm glad i didn't do that I, being a small sustainable company uh, that can work remotely and digitally anywhere in the world is is a massive advantage i think yeah in, i mean in a, what i do is lockdown fully scenario i mean I'm, I'm fully remote i mean i do have an office that's because i like to have an office to come to because you know before before covid and all that sort of stuff you know i i kind of miss the routine of going out to work yeah but there's no yeah, reason why i can't work from home full time well, I have been for yeah, yeah. Well, me too. You know, I've months. not enjoyed it, but I've been able to do it, which is a, a definite bonus. You know, I do. I work at this um, Cubo place at, at Derby, and it's great, sort of great co-working space. But um, you know, I can work from home. I can work from anywhere in the world. You know, that's the advantage of having a digital online business. Because I, I, did, I did do a bit of a replanning exercise for the business a few weeks ago, and one of the questions I asked myself was, you know, was it a mistake renting an office, like the office we're in? Now? Okay, yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously it's, it's an outlay. I had to continue paying the rent even when I wasn't coming in, because the, the site was you know it's very carefully worded. The site is still open for you to come into should you choose to. But yeah. So yeah, therefore it's... they haven't closed the site, so they're not going to let you off the rent. Which is, you know I understand that. But then you know I decided to myself actually no, the rent's not that expensive here. Yeah. In, you know in in the scheme of things. I think actually if you kind of answered your question a little bit because you said that you struggled being working at home and obviously. So the office was worth it because you came here and you could do a lot more and be a lot more focused. It was just quiet to record yeah. courses and things like that. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I came in one day a week. Well, I still am doing one day a week at the moment until the kids go back to school full time. I can oh, really... Okay. So we, we, 
because even though the kids hate this, even even though we're in the summer holidays now, we're still trying to do homeschooling during the holidays. Right. <laughs> so we're not doing morning yeah. and afternoon sessions. What we're doing is um, an hour each with each child in the morning. Yeah. So like we, even though my daughter didn't do the SATS exams, I've got all the SATS exams revision books for her year group. So we're gradually uh, okay, working yeah. through we that. She hates it, but it's like, well, we're, we're trying to, yeah, we're, so we're, we're trying to keep things topped up. We, we were quite fortunate because we've, we've only got one, obviously one child's not a school age. The other one is like six years old, but he's, um, he's ahead anyway of where he should be sort of academically. So the school weren't really mega helpful. We kind of, they kind of said, oh, he's done the year's worth of whatever he needs to do, you know, and we said, oh, there's anything more we can do with him. And they weren't really that helpful, to be honest. We struggled with it a bit, you know, finding things for him to do, you know. Yeah. And it's more just like, oh, just practice handwriting and things like that, you know, which isn't really uh, that great. You know, I wanted to sort of to give him more useful, structured work to do. Yeah, we did struggle just, with it. I just really hope the schools stay open. I do, yeah. I mean, they're saying in the news. Needs, um, yeah. I, I, I keep mindful that we've got quite a global audience, this podcast. I know we keep talking a lot about stuff in the UK. But yeah. I, there was a thing in the news for the UK saying that um, the government has now said that if, if there is a second spike that starts coming for COVID, which they're predicting will probably happen, yeah, they're saying that now the schools will be the last thing to close, so they will shut pubs, restaurants, and shops before schools. Before yeah, schools. that 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 seems which obviously it's not very good if you run a pub or a restaurant or a shop. No, no, it's terrible. But I mean, I think schooling is so important. I think the kids are missing out on so much. They've missed out already missed out on so much of education. You know. Yeah. It's not just that, also it's the interaction with other children, isn't it? It's the social sort of interaction stuff is really important as well. I think, yeah, I mean, interact, social interaction at school, but also social interaction generally for people is, you know, we're social creatures. Yeah, I think this lockdown has been tough. I've not personally enjoyed it. I, I've much not, but then it, it, it kind of makes you think to yourself, is, are humans bad for business? <laughs> or is human interaction bad for business? What do you mean? I mean, that... Well, I mean, I mean, if you run a business that relies on people oh, phys- physically yeah. being present together like a conference or training or you know even like uh, beauty salons i mean they're heavily restricted on what they're allowed to do yeah even now yeah so they, they can't do anything that requires you working on the face and being face to face with people yeah yeah no still restrictions isn't there yeah oh yeah no it's bad yeah um yeah it is it is bad for business <laughs> at least at the moment anyway during a covid epidemic is it's bad um i mean we obviously we both run internet businesses so but that wasn't intentional. That's just because I like the idea of internet businesses because you can work anywhere in the world. You can be remote. You can be a digital nomad. You've got this kind of freedom that mm. you're not stuck to one location with, like, say, a physical business where you have to go to a shop or whatever it is where you have to be present at a, say, cafe or a restaurant or whatever. I like the idea of a business that you can run anywhere from the world. I was always kind of, after reading the four hour work week, I was always of that mindset, you know, where I wanted to be like that, where I could work anywhere in the world, you know, choose yeah, that, that, that my workload. That's in the dream, isn't it? Oh, is it ever? Yeah. yeah. I've just had a friend who's, he's just quit his job and I, I gave him that book and I don't know, whether it, I don't know if he thought it was a joke or something or I don't know if he took it that serious or whether he's read it or not, but I'm kind of well, In fact, I remember when I, when I first started at the co-working space here in Cromford, I mean, he was the first person I met. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and we started chatting because you had a copy of the four hour work. Oh, I, see, I, I always have it. I tend to give, I, always, I, bought, I bought it so many times, I've given it away so many times, mm. that book. And I bought him another book actually, because I'm seeing him again in a couple of weeks' time. I'm going to give him the end of jobs because obviously he's just finished his job. But, um, in fact, actually, I'll say if, if anyone was thinking of like, book recommendation time, yeah, if, if, yeah. Anyone was, if anyone was thinking of leaving work, and I've, I've got another question around this in a minute. I think you, you, to, you, you, it helped you, didn't it, the, the, that book at the time? I would time. say, if you was going to buy three books 
can class them as the Bible of making a decision about whether you want to work for yourself. I'd say four-hour work week, obviously. Yeah. End of jobs. Because that kind of helps you cement the idea of whether yeah, you're going to work yeah. for yourself is a good idea or not. And Company of One. Company of One, yeah. Such a good book. I'm, I'm rereading it at the moment. I think it's sometimes... I thought it was okay, but um, because I'm not a Company of One. No, but we're a very small yeah, company. Know, but but yeah, no, it, it is a good book, actually. I might get him that one as well. It's his third book. That, that book really helped me because, you know, See, when, when, you, when you make a big change in your life, like to quit a job and go to work for yourself, you, you always have those nagging demons in the back of your mind saying, "Yeah, have I made a big mistake? And that, those books kind of help Help Helped you reassure you that you're making the right decision, yeah. So I had a friend of mine ask me a question, and I, I stuck it in, in this section here. So I thought it'd be interesting to get your take on it as well. So if you were considering starting a business and you know, quitting your job and doing all the things that we've talked about in this podcast, yeah. but you're currently still employed through lockdown... And, you know, potentially there's a threat of redundancy coming up. Would you stay where you are for the moment? Um, so, so you're in a job, you're still being paid. It's tricky. Would it, would it one, make sense it? to stay I mean, where you are? So this kind of goes against all, a lot of the things that we've said yeah, previously. Yeah, previously. I mean, in these COVID times, I'd be very, I'd be perhaps more cautious than I would ordinarily. Um, so probably what I would do, um, kind of the advice we have given in the past is, is, is there anything to stop you doing this as a, as a side hustle, as a side business, something you can do nights and weekends, yeah. at least to try that and de-risk it. And then if it's successful, then you can branch out into your side hustle with having the reassurance that you know that it's mm. potentially going to work or more assurance that it's going to work, especially in these uncertain times where, you know, if you leave your job, it's probably going to be more hard for you to get another job, isn't it? Yeah. Or, you know, more This risky. is uh, pretty much what I said to my friend as well. It's like, if it's something that you can build secretly on, on the side. <laughs> I know certain, certain companies where you're not allowed to do that. Some, some, yeah, cetera, some companies are a bit, a bit touchy about that, but I would, you know, build it quietly stay where you are so if you, if you can stay there for the next six to nine months and well, I don't know whether we'll see the end of this thing by then but if you stick around for that time and you're still employed and you've got a salary coming in you can then make a decision about what you want to do if you um, if you know there's a threat of redundancy coming out and you might actually get a redundancy payment as well I'd maybe hang on for that yeah potentially yeah because if you could end up getting you know one two or three months worth of severance from a company yeah, if you've been there for quite a few years, you know, often, then often more. You could yeah. use that as a bit of a runway to help you. When you yeah, go that, time. yeah, that might, if that's an option, you know, that might be something that you could consider. But it's it's very hard. I'd perhaps be very very cautious and perhaps look at just like you say, building something on the side that you can test as an idea to see, or if there's if there's a way you can do a small part of the business to test whether it's going to work or not, and then build from yeah. that. At least do it on the side. I think I'm a very. If you've got a stable job, I'd be very risk averse to leaving that job because it's just so risky at the moment isn't it even even a business is probably more uncertain there's probably uncertainty involved there because you don't know what's going to happen do you yeah so before we move on to recommendations i found this interesting document oh, not document websites website it's, it's on entrepreneur.com okay yeah, yeah. uh trying to open the link so we can see it and it's about eight tips to corona proof your business which i thought was a an interesting idea for an article how do you coronavirus proof your business and i don't mean yeah. i don't mean put a hand sanitizer pump in like, your door uh, and a, a bit of warning tape on a bit the of per perspex shooting or whatever uh, there's some interesting things in here um i was just wondering how many of these you do and i do as well i guess yeah okay yeah, yeah. so yeah so what the, the link's in the show notes so you can you can read it so we won't go into massive detail on it but one of them is um, put an automated lead machine in place so a way of automating generating leads for your business okay yeah yeah 
Because when I read that, when I was thinking about what you do for your business, I think we, cause you, you do a lot of um, AdWord marketing, don't yeah, you? Yeah, AdWords. So a lot, a lot of that is generally automated. There was a few things we did because we used to bid on uh, cost per click. I wasn't going to get too, too much mm. into the weeds, but you can bid per keyword and then you can bid what they do, what they call CPC. But the problem was when the recession hit, so when the, when the downturn hit and the lockdown went into place, our, our bit cost per click um, became not a great business. And then they, they, you can do another one where it's cost per acquisition, where you just set a cost for how much it, it costs to get per, per acquisition. And it, it sort of, you set a value like might be like 50 pounds or whatever mm. for each acquisition. And then um, Google just automates your account to match that cost. And that worked out, that was a much better strategy because then it automatically, because our cost per click, because we're getting less conversions, our cost per click, our mm. conversion costs were getting quite high. So we did have to automate that process. So now it just does it cost per, so anything that you can do to automate any kind of marketing or lead generation or anything like that is always a good idea. Well, generally automation is a good idea. Why do, why yeah. do a job that a machine can do much better anyway, you know? Because from my point of view on this one, I don't really do anything for automating lead generation, which is interesting because because oh, a lot of the stuff I do goes on platforms like Pluralsight or Skillshare. Yeah. So really, I'm kind of benefiting from the marketing that they do. Yeah, yeah. You you you're relying on. But I mean, what you could do. So, 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 you so, can so, still so, promote I, I don't, your. I don't have physical customers. I don't own the customer, as it were. You can still promote your content, though, can't you? You know. Oh, I promote um, it. Yeah, I do. I do marketing and content marketing around it. But in terms of a lead, as in with your platform, when someone signs up to use your platform, you own that customer, don't you? You know who they are. Oh, you, have, yeah. you have a way of contacting them. You could cross-sell to them. Yeah, yeah. Else. Whereas yeah. I don't do that. So I don't know the people that watch my courses. I have no idea who they are. Oh, the, plat well, the platform do, obviously, but you, you the don't The platform that only does. And that's kind yeah. of an interesting benefit and problem in one way. Yeah, you don't have control over your customers, do you really then? In, yeah, in, which is in, well, when I do the Path to Freedom project, I mean, that, I'm hoping that builds into a fairly big product. So I'm going to have the book. There's going to be an online workshop and a self-paced training course, which people can pay to do, where I actually want to own the kind of the customer engagement at that point, mm. which is interesting. So another one on this article was um, implementing systems and relying less on people. Yeah, so this pe is... People being bad for our health at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the case. That's the truth. I mean, that was the whole sort of four-hour work week dream, wasn't it? You know, yeah. to have... Um, have system. And same with I think I think the thing mentions. Have you ever read the E Myths Re Re Revisited book? No, I think so. Michael Gerber, and that's all about systems and having a systemized business. Uh, the example they use that is like McDonald's, where it's all kind of systemized, and the way that they make a burger is a very systemized yeah. process. You know, so anything like that is, is always always good. Better to rely on a system or a machine. Well. Ideally, best to rely on a machine. The second best is a system, isn't it? You know, where it's people following a, a set way of doing things. So, you know, you have like your operating manual and people just follow the operating manual yeah. each time. It's a systemized. It's much easier than having to sort of like do it from scratch each time, isn't it? So there's a concept of the uh, franchise prototype as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. That's where you have a business like, like you know, McDonald's is a good example. And then you have kind of instruction manual about how you run the franchise of the business. And yeah. People yeah. who want to take the franchise on just have to basically follow everything in that rule book. In exactly. that, yeah. And follow, follow the rules precisely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky in that I don't really have to support anyone. I mean, yeah. 
you get some people ask questions about something in a course, and you might have to answer a few of those questions from time to time. Yeah. But they're not that often. We do. I mean, I have somebody who does email support, and they follow like a rough process, and we have like um, standardized sort of responses, like canned responses for certain questions, you know, where it's a commonly asked, you know, and we have like kind of we use like Slack to communicate and we have yeah. a sort of like a process. I mean, it's not, it's not that formalized, but in terms of like, we have these standardized email templates where we do email support and things like that. Do you try that. and make support fairly self-service as well for the customer? So they can try and help themselves before having yeah, to Yeah, a lot of it's, we have like FAQs and things like that, but most people don't tend to read them. <laughs> what people, we, we do have bits and then we try and, if there's like, if we get hassled with the same thing all the time, we try and address it in, in the app, you know? so that that problem goes away a little bit. It's, there's certain ways you can ask questions and stuff that alleviates a lot of the support headache. But yeah, you think you're better off, much better relying on, on, a, on a system than a person um, where you can, you know, within reason. Yeah. Next one in this article is talking about putting customer safeguards in place, which is a bit of a weird one, but what it's saying about in the article is that if you've got customers who are on a contract with you and that contract's likely to expire during like the pandemic, for example, it's like being honest with the customer and having a conversation with them about it and trying to work out what would actually be good for them. Yeah. So which means, yeah, you might need to change how you potentially offer contracts or do your pricing, like maybe offering a, a larger discount over time if they stay with you. Okay, yeah. But it's about, you know, trying to come up with ways to make it better for the customer, but you also don't lose their custom. Yeah, it's big, I mean, we, we, there's a few things we've done. Like, for example, um, we do a thing, uh, obviously we do subscriptions, but when people cancel their subscription, um, we used to, when they renew, we used to, because we've obviously increased the pricing over the years. So when they renew, we used to have it so they go on to our more expensive, newer pricing. But now we've changed it so that they can renew, but back on their existing pricing. And that's to try and keep them on board. You know, so if they cancel so, so it at a lower rate. you rewarded for longevity, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're putting things like that to try and encourage people to stay mm -hmm. with us. But obviously we've taken the hit a bit because we're, we're getting much less. Because our legacy customers are on a lower pricing than our new customers, you know. This is quite interesting because um, when you know, it was in lockdown, you, you follow things like Twitter and all that. And then you, you get people starting to put lists together with companies. So companies that are actually being really good and treating people really well, both employees and customers. Yeah. And then you get what classes the shit lists oh, of, yeah, of customers yeah. or companies that are being really bad towards their customers think, and staff. I think that's bad. I think people do remember these Absolutely, things. Yeah. You know, I think it affects your reputation. I think people aren't going to forget where you've, if you've kicked somebody while they're down. You know, it's it's well, not. If, if you get really good customer service mm -hmm. and a company goes out of the way to really help you, yeah. you know, you're going to remember that further down the line. Whereas if someone just cuts you off and treats you really, really badly, you're, you're going to remember that. Yeah, I've always, that's always, always, I think people are shocked that we offer such good customer service because we're a smaller company. I think they're used to dealing with companies that give such poor customer service, yeah. you know, especially larger companies that are so terrible, you know, like uh, utilities companies and things like that, you know, where they're, you've got to wait hours to speak to anybody and they're not often not always that helpful, you know. So I think they're quite shocked when they speak to somebody who knows what they're talking about straight away, you know. It's, yeah. it's quite a shock to get an instant answer or somebody that can make a decision straight away rather than having to another refer it to Another benefit else. of staying small. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, those, I think small companies can offer better customer service. Uh, another one in here is about focusing on perfect copywriting. So it's about making sure that any copy you put on your site or sales material is painfully clear and honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I guess just comes down to your marketing and branding. I mean, I we did think a little bit because we had a dip in one of our products, and so we we put a big sign on on the website saying that we you know we're all working remotely, we're all you know we're we're continuing to work. It's not affecting what we're doing. You know, the product's still for sale, 
And I think that did help actually. Hmm. Being clear on the site as to what was how we're dealing with COVID and, and things like that. So certain businesses probably less critical, you know, other businesses we haven't like the software business hasn't really been affected by that, but we do want what's kind of like a productized service and and that we've had to be quite clear about oh, our service is still up and running, we're still fully functioning. Yeah. Uh what else have we got in this article? So doubling down on market sort of served you well as a business. I mean that's pretty much what I did. So the, the core things that bring in the revenue for me, I just focused on that. Yeah, which was, which was like the plural science yeah, stuff then. No, so I that just was pushed your, everything to the side temporarily. I think you've got no choice, have you really? I think when, when, you know, when things are going badly, you've got to just double down on, on the core business, haven't you, I think? So another thing it says in that document about coronavirus proofing your business is uh, focus on offerings that make your customers money or save them money. So really doubling down on the the products where you can actually sort of financially benefit your customers yeah perhaps perhaps it's because people will look at reducing unnecessary costs so anything that's essential to their business you know going to be the ones they're going to keep running aren't they the things that aren't essential they're just going to cancel yeah. aren't they or not not purchase i mean one thing i was worried about is when you get a recession and things go really badly there's two things a company will do they cut back their marketing spend and they cancel all their training yeah so one thing I was worried about is are people just going to start ditching their plural site subscriptions because it's a, a luxury? Yeah. Um, but actually, what, I mean, I, I can't go into numbers because we're not allowed to talk about them. But what, what they found is that a lot of smaller companies did, you know, have to cancel their subscriptions. It's kind of inevitable that. that yeah, happened. that did happen. But a lot of really big companies actually took on more because they want to keep their staff trained up. They can't do the normal in in class training that they do on site. Okay. In, yeah. in, in their yeah. like, you know mega skyscrapers. So what do they do? Well, we need to do it online. So they actually took out larger Also, it's an advantage, to, yeah. To, to. So what we ended up is, you know, you, you get a decline in smaller companies, but a big rise in the larger companies, which worked out quite well. Yeah. So. Uh, and this one here, I mean, it, this last one in the document really kind of sings to your hymn sheet. Yeah, so yeah. Productizing service-based businesses. Yeah, obviously, normally, oh, there's different ways of doing this. Like, I'm trying to think of a way how you describe it is, say, for example, you might um, say offer a service where, this is not what we do, but this is what other people do. Say if you had a WordPress site and you say, we can maintain your WordPress site and do if, you know, minor updates every month or whatever, and then you can charge, you pay monthly for that service. Um, and what you're saying is, you know, it's a set amount for a set amount of work each time. So you, instead of like selling a service that's quite random, this is quite a it's a packaged amount of work per month for a certain amount of fee, you know. And these work quite well as businesses, um, I, I tend to find. So it's, it's just a more um, reliable way of, of getting income. And is it something that you've come across this productized service? Uh, Where you turn into service into kind of like a product rather than a service? Yeah, well, I like mean, not, not in what I do as a business. I mean, the last company I was at, it was effectively doing that. So it was taking, it was all to do with car motor insurance. Okay. And about assessing damage and write-offs and then, you know, trying to take you through an easier process to settle an insurance claim. So there was a very manual process that insurance companies do for that. And it takes weeks and weeks and weeks. And we mm. were trying to turn that into a, an online product service. Okay. Which takes you through that process a lot quicker. It was, it was really fascinating to work on. But I guess that's kind of a similar thing where the actual product was free to the actual claimant, so the, our customers in that case with the insurance companies. Yeah. I guess, you know, the key thing is trying to build a service where you can get that monthly recurring revenue, so you're not paying for a single 
transaction, you're actually getting a, a recurring... A recurring service. Yeah, I mean, that's for that, everything. Originally, I was a structured engineer, so I've tried to take what I do as a structured engineer, but turn it into a product, whether that be software or yeah. as an individual one-off sort of productized service, you know. So all the things I've done is, is kind of been this to a certain extent. I think that absolutely is the way to go. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that was an interesting article. I've, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's eight tips to corona-proof your business uh, on entrepreneur.com. Okay. Quite good. Cool. So, Shui, have you got any recommendations? Yeah, I have. Um, obviously, I've read quite a few. I've read a few smaller books, but the, the main sort of big book that I've read is this Why We Sleep. Okay. Uh, by Matthew Walker. And um, obviously, sleep, I didn't realize how important sleep is till I read this book. And it said, like, all the good things. It helps, you know, it helps you memory it helps your brain function it helps you just in so many ways helps you recover from illnesses or yeah. it's just because you think about it, sleeping is quite detrimental you think eight hours you're basically completely out of the world so you're thinking there must be some real benefit to sleeping because why would you do it otherwise you know if there's no you know in some ways it's it's quite detrimental because it means you're not productive for eight hours every day and it means that you're potentially putting yourself at risk because you you know you're asleep you know so you can't protect yourself but obviously it does so many good things, you know, it recuperates so much of your brain and body. Um, so I would recommend that you do check that one out. There's quite a lot of good insights in there, apart from <coughs> go to bed early. Uh, yeah, there is. It's more It's more explaining the benefits, uh, you know, basically why we sleep, you know, because in a lot of ways it doesn't make any sense. Why, why should you sleep for eight hours every day, you know? Um, but no, yeah, there's a few bits in there. It's not, it doesn't. It does give some like tips on how to get better sleep, but it's more explaining why we sleep rather than giving tips on how to actually get sleep. You okay. know, but there is a little bit in there, but it's it's well worth checking out. It goes into the science of sleep. Add that to my wish list. Yeah, no, you should do. Yeah, that's a good one. What? So that's why we sleep by Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker. Yeah, he's like a sleep scientist. So my recommendation is probably something people have heard a bit about. Oh, there's been quite a bit of press. press yeah, yeah, it's the new email service called Hey.com by the people who produce Basecamp. So you're yeah, I've not, the I've, person I've, you like. I did actually sign up for it. I can't remember what happened now. I mean, I've read, about, obviously a big fan of Basecamp. I've read all of the books that they've ever written and a lot of their blog content and stuff. It's, so it's really, really good stuff. I only heard about this from the fact that they picked a massive fight with Apple. Oh yeah. Which is yeah, how yeah. I heard about it. So yeah, it was on the BBC News, wasn't it? Did you it see was, that? yeah. So what Apple was saying was that um, they, they didn't approve the app to be on the App Store because it was very confusing. The app basically didn't do anything. So you, it's yeah, like a reader app. You have to I sign in, but there's, there's think, no way to yeah, sign up. I think they could only use it if you paid for the product online. It was any yeah. useful, and they they were saying it wasn't any use to customers who just signed up because they couldn't actually use the app unless they. Yeah, so so Apple wanted their cut. Anyway, massive argument between the two companies, and then Apple ended up saying, "Okay, well you can go on, but you just have to make a few changes first, Which 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 they I think did. they do offer some kind of free account, don't yeah. they, or something like that. But obviously, when I heard about that, I thought, well, let's, what, what is it? It's, it's a new, new type of email client. Yeah. And I'm, I'm monumentally bad at email. Uh, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm really yeah. bad at email. I, I just had, like, my existing inbox before had like tens of thousands of unread emails in it. So I'll try it, try it out, see if it's any good. And it's brilliant. The way it's not a building outside, isn't it? Yeah. And the way it helps you organize your email is really quite cool. So you have a hey.com email address. Um, they are coming out with a personal email address thing at some point soon, so you can actually have custom domains. Okay, yeah. Um, but you can also forward in, like, you know, your Outlook and your Gmail accounts into it as well. But what it does is it brings your email into, like, an initial box, and then from there, um, if it's not one that the system's seen before, it puts into what's called a screener. So you click on that, and, it, you know, is this something you want to see in the future, yes or no? So if you click no, you won't see them again. So it kind of classes it as spam from that point onwards. Okay. Or you yeah. click yes and it appears in your pre-inbox. 
Okay. It goes in your pre, or they call it an IM box, IM box. Yeah, I've seen that. Terrible yeah. name. But. Yeah, I've not used it. I mean, to be fair, because I'm so embedded in Gmail, it it, it would take yeah. a lot for me well, to. What you can do from that, you can either read it and class it as seen, yeah. or um, you can filter it into a series of different lists. So one is called set aside, which is like this looks important, but I just haven't got the time to deal with it now. So you put it into your set aside list. Okay. Or if it's like a, a receipt for something that you've bought, you can put it into um, another list. Uh, which I've forgotten what it's called now, Paper Trail. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which is like important things you need to come back to later. Okay, yeah. And it's, it's quite a simple concept. It, I'm probably not doing a very good job, job of explaining it, but I've, I thought I'd use it, and I've set the redirects up so my Outlook and Gmail accounts go into it as well. And initially it was a bit of a tsunami of adding stuff to the screen, but now on a day-to-day, -day, my email is really well-tamed. Really? How does it compare it, to Gmail then? Is it, is, it, is it much better then, would you say, or...? I'm finding it is because I was using Gmail and Outlook before, but I was using it for another client called Airmail, and I was just finding I was just getting swamped with the, all the emails that were coming in because a lot oh, of stuff okay. I don't actually really want to see, so you have to like manually click it as spam or get them. Yeah, Do you I, know what I was I'm... just struggling with it, but the workflow in this is I'm doing a terrible job of explaining it, but the workflow with Hey.com is so logical and so simple that I'm actually finding I'm clearing through my email really quickly, and I'm not having to spend a lot of time doing it. Yeah, you're doing a good job of selling it to me, actually. So, no, I, I thought, so I, I did, I think it's like a 14 day trial you can do with it. So, obviously, I went in there and wanted to nab my email address. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so I've got that. And um, and after the 14 days, I was like, you know, is it actually worth paying for? I was like, well, how much is it? It's like $99 for the year. So, it's, it, it's got a price, it's not, yeah, it's not it's, cheap. Yeah. But because I'm actually getting through my email so well now, and I'm having to spend less time focusing on it, but I'm still getting through it all. I actually thought, you know what, sod it, let's just pay for it. And I'm glad I did. It's really, really beneficial. Yeah, is it? yeah I might. Now, now you told me that. I mean, it, it, the problem I have is I don't really, really feel like I have a problem with email at the moment. So I'm not feeling I'm having to change because there's an existing problem. But perhaps I didn't realise. But if, if really I could get literally the most get out of it, there's a links on there on the hey.com website. There's like a, a half an hour video that it, it wasn't Hannah Meyer Hansen, it was one, the other founder, I've forgotten his name. Jason Freed. That's the one, yeah. So yeah. he did a half an hour video talking about how to use it and why you use it as you do. Yeah. It's just a screencast of him talking to the screen and then showing you stuff in Hey. It's half an hour long, but I watched that and after that, kind of the penny dropped. So actually, this is a really good way of dealing yeah, so with, I've always, with an email problem that I was I'm, having. I'm going to have a look actually because I've always been really into their, into their approach. I've obviously never bought, I've never had a base camp subscription or anything like that, but I always like their they're quite opinionated about how they think you know the internet should be and a lot of the stuff is you know about having things simpler and quicker to use you know obviously with the web apps that all came into you know yeah. that, that's that's massive now you know i mean this is just a version one product as well and it's pretty good so i expect it's just going to get better yeah now i might i might have a look the thing i like actually. about it is because you're paying for it as a product and it's, it's not cheap it's 99 dollars a year yeah but there's no advertising none of that nonsense in there it's just a really simple user interface that's really clear. And I say, if you watch that half an hour video, I'll put a link into the show notes to it. If you watch that video on their site and you spend half an hour watching it, it, it kind of, the penny kind of drops. It is actually a really good way of changing the workflow of email. Yeah. I'm going so, to have a look at it. Oh, it's probably not for everyone. I know some people that have tried it and didn't really like it, but I, I quite liked it. Probably knowing them, it's probably quite opinionated in the way it does things, yeah. you know. The only downside is like, if you connect it up to Gmail, for example, you don't get your entire back catalogue of emails in there. So it just forwards... Oh, the most recent. The most recent yeah. ones. So every now and again, I do need to load up airmail and just sort of search through older emails. But that's fine. That's few and far between. Yeah. Oh, I might have a look at that. I mean, it's a 
bit of a pain because obviously I've got um, you know the guy who does uh, technical support for us he does dip into our email and stuff so it'd be like a bit of faff to, it's, it's, in some ways it's a problem when you use existing software it's very hard to change isn't it yeah some ways it's way better being on your own you know so like company of one thing it's easier to make these quick decisions isn't it than if oh, you've yeah, got other absolutely. people involved and decision cool I think we have a show okay yeah but well, it's good to see you anyway and it's good to be back yeah, it's very good to be back because um, I've really enjoyed doing this. Although it is, it must be about 35 degrees in this room. It is pretty warm, isn't room. it? Yeah. So I'm actually hoping that our traditional British weather comes back soon. Yeah, I think it's going to rain this weekend, apparently. It's going to. Whenever gonna... I complain about the weather, I always get some of my Australian friends going, Ha, huh, you've not seen the sun until you've been to the Gold Coast. So <laughs> but you build houses by default with air conditioning. We don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only warm for like two weeks a year and we just get hot. Yeah. Hot. Complain about it because we're British. We complain about yeah, the weather. weather yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll see you all uh, see you all next month. Yeah, see you next month. Cheers then. Everybody, bye. bye.